Multiple sclerosis is not a genetic disease, meaning it's not passed down from generation to generation. However, according to the MS Society, there is genetic risk that may be inherited among family members. Currently, though, there is no explanation as to how a mother and daughter both share the disease. Do I have maybe the, some link with my mom that my sister doesn't have? Still so much that's unknown. This is MS, a podcast about one of the world's most misunderstood diseases. I'm your host, Andrea, and I was diagnosed with MS when I was 31 years old. In this episode, I want you to meet a young woman who was diagnosed with MS almost 14 years after her mother was diagnosed with the same disease. This is Sarah's story. Sarah is a young professional living in Charlottetown, PEI. She's 32 years old. Six years ago, she began to experience double vision and was quickly diagnosed with MS. And I know I'm very fortunate because a lot of individuals struggle with that as they're going through their diagnosis process. But all of this happened really in, in a matter of weeks for me, where I went to the eye doctor, then the family doctor got referred to the neurologist. Um, and very quickly after that, he did, uh, you know, refer me to get an MRI and, and put that as an urgent request. One of the main reasons I think I went through the process really quickly was my family doctor was aware of my mom's history with the disease. Sarah's mother also has multiple sclerosis. She was diagnosed over 20 years ago after her symptoms began to develop around 1995. That's where I see, you know, such a difference to my process of being diagnosed to what she experienced at that time. I think one thing I'm very mindful of is that when she was diagnosed, the doctors really said to her, there's not much we can do. You know, you have MS, but at this time, we don't have any treatment options for something like progressive MS. So I remember my parents would, you know, really try to find something that would help not only with the symptoms, but try to help with the progression of the disease. And at the time, there was really not much that that could have been done. The difference between the two timelines is quite astonishing. Sarah's mother was told by doctors there was nothing that could be done to help her MS. Meanwhile, Sarah had medication right away. What I was told about my initial MRI scan was that it was, was actually quite aggressive and, and there was a, a lot of lesions. My neurologist at the time I really stressed that I start an aggressive treatment right away. And um, he actually put me on, on Tysabri as, as the first treatment. Tysabri is administered as an intravenous infusion. Sarah goes to an MS clinic every four weeks to receive this drug. I go into the, the clinic here, sit for two hours. So one hour with the, the medication sort of running and then another hour for monitoring and, and tracking. Definitely part of my routine. I know that once a month I, I leave my, uh, you know, my job and I go do that for, for two hours and, and typically in the afternoons, which um, is working really well for me and my schedule. It has worked so well that I really have not seen any side effects from it that I'm not able to manage or I haven't had a, a relapse since my initial diagnosis. I'm going to continue to take Tysabri until something needs to change. Sarah's journey with MS often produces feelings of guilt. It's especially trying when she compares her situation to her mother's. 
it's definitely something I struggle with because I think you bring up, so when you say guilt, um, I think deep down there, there is a lot of that. And then it's, you know, right or wrong. I think the feelings of me just being able to go and get a treatment every month and, and really thinking like she's never had that option. Sarah's mother lives in long-term care and has been struggling with the disease for many years this point she's in a wheelchair um full time um and she's not able to move her her legs she's no longer able to move her arms it's now started to affect her speech um and so she's not able to to clearly talk to us anymore which is which is difficult um sometimes she is and it it, it really can depend on the day the development and research behind new ms drugs continues to be a struggle for sarah as excited as she is to see new treatments available, it's upsetting that it couldn't have happened sooner to help her mom. As these new treatments come out, there's always a little bit of like, I wish this would have just been, you know, 10 years or earlier or five years earlier. And sorry, I'm getting a little bit emotional now, but there is a little bit of that because it's, um, you know, I just feel like really fortunate to be able to have that medication and you know, even a couple of years after my diagnosis, be where I am at today, continuing to work, um, continuing to move up in my career, and really then being able, you know, seeing her and, and just how she continues to struggle with the disease every day. When you start to see research being done, it's like there's a, there's a big part of you that's so excited because you're like, this is what it's going to mean for me. And then there's like this other part that's really sad because it can't help my mom. Oftentimes, when people get diagnosed with MS, they don't understand the disease. Their first concern is, what is MS? But for Sarah and her family history, her initial reaction to the news was immediate concern over what type of MS she had. There are four types. Clinically isolated syndrome, relapsing remitting MS, secondary progressive MS, and primary progressive MS. Sarah has relapsing remitting, while her mother has primary progressive. The main difference between the two is that while Sarah remains in remission, her mother's condition continues to worsen with an increase in disability. I often think back to when I was diagnosed, and I know for a lot of individuals, they're trying to figure out a little bit of, you know, what is MS? Um, what was this, this illness that I was just diagnosed with? But for me, it was really trying to understand the different types of MS. Is my MS going to progress like my mom has? And, and that's something that I really struggled with initially. Having to tell her mom she had MS was one of the most difficult times in her life. Yeah, so it actually took me a long time before I could have that conversation with her. Um, and I think that was just my own struggle with like, not wanting to worry her. So I was diagnosed in the spring and the fall before she had just moved into a long-term care facility just because her disease had progressed so much. At the time, she was still trying to, you know, really get um, used to her surroundings, not being at home anymore and having to live in a long-term care home. It did take me some time before I even worked up the courage to have that conversation with her. She didn't want to worry her mom or make her upset with the news, but she knew she would eventually have to have the conversation. I remember it was an afternoon and I go in all the time to see her, but this particular day I was 
still struggling a little bit to to work up the courage to to tell her. Um, and so it was a little bit of back and forth, you know, at, at certain points I was saying, you know what, I'll, I'll do this another day. But then I did, you know, close the door to her room and I did say, mom, I have something I want to talk to you about. I think initially she was just shocked and then she, you know, was quite upset and, and um, we both cried about it. And, and, you know, I, I was definitely trying to reassure her that, you know, things are going to be okay. Um, but I remember it being a very, very difficult conversation. Sarah also had another very difficult conversation with her twin sister. Yeah, her twin sister who doesn't have MS. Clearly remember that uh, conversation and telling her as well. And, and it is probably something that's going to stick with me uh, for the rest of my life as well. Um, and, and she definitely hard, had a hard time with it initially. I think just growing up and again, seeing our mom struggle with the disease she was extremely worried. Um, I found myself, you know, reassuring her and telling her that I was going to start a treatment and things were going to be okay. As you can imagine, her dad also did not take the news well. Very difficult for my dad as well, because he had been, you know, helping to take care of my mom for, for so long. For him to hear this news as well, he, he struggled with it and um, I think is still trying to, to deal with, with the news. MS is not passed down from generation to generation. So it's difficult to explain how Sarah and her mother have MS, and yet her twin sister doesn't share the same disease. Since then, I've continued to hear stories of other individuals that have family members that are directly impacted. Do I have maybe the, some, some link with my mom that my sister doesn't have? There's still so much that's unknown. Um, not only, you know, why it happens and, and what the cause is, but um, really why it shows up so differently in everybody. You know, obviously not knowing what the cure is for, for the disease is, is there's just so much about MS that's unknown. Um, and I think this is definitely a, a key component of that. Sarah's MS journey over the past six years has been relatively symptom-free. Her vision has fully recovered she is managing as best she can with fatigue and issues with her balance. There are times she feels unsteady on her feet. This is common for people with MS. I would say that there's definitely daily things that I do see, um, you know, whether it's the fatigue that I know a lot of individuals experience or, um, you know, balance issues. As challenging as some days can be dealing with nagging symptoms of MS, Sarah's frustration with the disease is not something she discusses with her mother. I really don't, uh, you know, talk to, to her too much about not only how I'm feeling and what my day to day looks like. When she does need to talk about the anger and frustrations she feels surrounding MS, Sarah turns to her partner, Chelsea. I, I go see my mom every day. So she's been supportive through that. And, and really helps me when I'm not having a great day and is able to talk to me about, um, you know, my MS and, and what I deal with. And, and I think really understands it uh, really, really well. Um, and then the other thing that I've done through the MS Society is, is build, you know, a network of other individuals that I know here locally that have it and, and just be able to talk to them about, you know, what they deal with and, and what some of their struggles are um, with the disease. This year, the COVID-19 pandemic had an impact on every single Canadian, whether that was financially, emotionally, or mentally. Sarah's mother lives in long-term care, 
there was a period of time there where the family could not visit due to a lockdown. It was definitely a trying time, but Sarah came up with a creative way to be able to interact with her mom. We weren't able to go see her anymore. And when I say we, so my dad goes every day and then I go in the evening. Not being able to go in and see her and making sure that she understood what was going on and why we weren't there. I think um, it was definitely a difficult uh, couple of months. But what I did was very quickly go into almost like a problem solving mode. And I tried to (laughs) find a way that I could, um, you know, set something up for her. So luckily I had an old iPhone set up. just a, a like a, a like a Facebook messenger for her, and I actually set up the phone to auto answer. I was able to work with a few staff members at the home she's at, and they're all fantastic. And they would set up her phone so that it would face her every day, and then throughout the day I could just call and check in on her so that we could see her face because it's difficult to talk on the phone. Sarah has a wonderful relationship with both her parents, who have been married for the past thirty plus years. They've been married for, I think, 33 years, 34 years. My dad has been an amazing support for my mom really throughout the years and would would be the primary caregiver when she was still at home. My dad goes in every day to see her and help her, and then I come in in the evening. Presently, Sarah continues to visit her mom on a daily basis. I want to continue to focus on when I go see her every day or talk to her every day. It's just making sure that, you know, I can put a smile on her face or or make her laugh and that we get to enjoy some of the time together. Her current focus remains on spending as much time as she can with her mom. She continues to smile every day. And I, I, I honestly don't know how. And when we ask her, how's your day going? How are you doing? She's always like, it's good. It's good. And, you know, sometimes I'm just, um, she's so such a motivation um and and again you know if i'm thinking i'm I'm having a bad day i just have to think about her and what she goes through and i think this is something i can deal with right now it's it's not something that's gonna be such a challenge in my day that i can't overcome it i'd like to thank my guest sarah for opening up about her journey with ms and for sharing her family's experience with the disease I know there are certain things that are not easy to talk about. So thank you for doing that. If this is the first time you've listened to This Is MS, please go back and have a listen to the other stories. I would love for you to tell your friends and family about This Is MS. Please give our show a five-star review on Apple Podcasts as it will help us reach a larger audience. This Is MS, written and produced by me, Audio editing and sound design by Rob Johnston. If you have questions about one of the episodes, check the show notes. You can contact me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Team Dunner. This is MS, created with support from the MS Society of Canada, a proud presentation of the Curious Cast Podcast Network. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. 
<laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.